Friends, if you've never seen the Bethesda Fountain, which is in Central Park in New York City, you should put that on your to-do list for the next time that you visit New York. It's just a fountain with a statue surrounded by a terrace. It's the sort of thing that we have a lot of here in Washington. This fountain and this terrace, it's hard to describe how beautiful and moving this place is, especially if you know a bit about why the fountain was put there. So Bethesda Fountain lies at the end of this long walkway that runs into the park, and the walkway descends into a wide tunnel that cuts under 72nd Street. The tunnel is dark, but its walls and ceiling are covered in this beautiful Italianate tile work. And then when you emerge into the light on the other side of the tunnel, the terrace spreads out before you formal red brick surrounding a large, peaceful pool of water. And in the center of this pool is a monumental bronze statue of an angel. The fountain commemorates the bringing of fresh water into the city of New York in 1842, water that meant healing and life and a future for the city. Bethesda Fountain is the setting for the final scene of Angels in America, Tony Kushner's epic play about the beginning of the AIDS crisis. Now in this final scene, Pryor, who's the main character, who is living with and surviving with AIDS, he says that Bethesda Fountain is his favorite place in New York, maybe his favorite place in the whole universe. And then he explains who the angel is and he gets his friends who are sitting there with him to tell the audience about this angel. And this is what they say. Prior, this is the angel Bethesda. Lewis will tell you her story. Lewis, oh, um, well, she was this angel. She landed in the temple square in Jerusalem in the days of the second temple, right in the middle of a working day. She descended and just her foot touched the earth. And where it did, a fountain shot up from the ground. When the Romans destroyed the temple, the fountain of Bethesda ran dry prior. And Belize will tell you about the nature of the fountain before it stopped flowing. Belize, if anyone who was suffering in the body or the spirit walked through the waters of the fountain of Bethesda, they would be healed, washed clean of pain. Well, I like Lewis's fantastic version with the fountain shooting up from the ground wherever the angel would land, but that isn't exactly how it's described in the gospel. Bethesda, you see, this is the same pool that we just heard about in the gospel of John. Bethzatha, as John calls it, is just a different translation of the same name. Now, unfortunately, newer versions of the Bible omit a verse that's in this passage because it looks like this verse was probably added later on, not original to John's gospel. But the verse that they omit is the most colorful one, and I remember the story vividly from the King James Version of my childhood. So here's the passage with the missing verse restored. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethsatha, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the stirring of the water. 
For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease that person had. So you can see why Tony Kushner chose this setting to end his play about AIDS. The angel of Bethesda is a symbol of all of God's healing power, of God's yearning to bring healing and wholeness to the world. The collect today assures us that God wants such good things for us that surpass our understanding, that exceed all that we could possibly desire. God wants every sickness to be mended and every rift to be healed from the smallest, most personal issue all the way up to the healing of the nations. God wants this healing, but the question is, do we want it? At least that's the question that Jesus asks the sick man that he encounters at the pool. Do you want to be made well? It's a fair question. John tells us that Jesus knew that this man had been sick for a long time. 38 years is a very long time to keep trying but not quite making it into the pool. What do you think was holding this man back? Now, I don't mean to underplay whatever real disability that he was struggling with, but you have to wonder, could he have asked somebody for help in all of those years? Did he? Maybe his illness also affected the way that he was able to present himself to the world. Maybe it made him ashamed, too embarrassed to ask for help. Maybe he started to believe that he didn't really deserve to be healed. Maybe he got comfortable with the way things were. Or maybe it was the people around this sick man who got comfortable with the way things were. He says that the reason that he's been waiting 38 years is that in all that time, there's been no one to help him into the water. People passed him by every day, but somehow couldn't see this need just sitting right in front of them. John is keen to point out at the end of the reading that Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath day, which is the mandatory day of rest. Keeping Sabbath was a sacred duty and the work, work of any kind was forbidden on the Sabbath. Well, the religious authorities considered healing to be work. So when they find out that Jesus has healed someone on the Sabbath, they condemn him for healing the man. How easy it is to allow tradition to become a trap where rules count more than people do. But Jesus doesn't care about the letter of the law. He knows that God intends the Sabbath to be a day of rest and restoration for all people. That God intends the Sabbath for us and not the other way around. Jesus fulfills the spirit of the law when he heals this man, when he raises him into health and wholeness. Do you want to be healed? Jesus is asking us the same question. Part of Jesus' healing power is just this. It's paying attention. It's seeing us, listening to us. Whatever sickness we may have in our bodies or somewhere deeper 
in our minds or our hearts. Jesus sees that and knows that and is right there with us, surrounding us and holding us up through whatever difficulties we're facing. It's easy to to feel inadequate, to feel a little broken when we look out and compare ourselves to what others have in the world. It's easy to feel not quite smart enough or attractive enough or rich enough, especially in this town. If you ever have nights when you stay up thinking those kinds of thoughts, and I know that I do, then that's the moment. I want you to hear Jesus saying to you, friend, stand up, take up your mat and walk. So this might sound like a harsh commandment at first, stop whining and get on with it. But behind that, what I think Jesus is really saying is, I believe in you. I know that you're worthy. And I will give you the strength to do this. Just believe that you can and you will. And just as God has healed us, God is calling us to build a world where healing is possible, where everyone has enough of the abundance that we share to live a happy and whole life. The gift that Jesus offers the sick man in the gospel story, it's the same gift that Jesus offers us. It's the gift of of seeing us, of listening to us, of paying attention. And this gift is in our hands now. And it's not a miracle cure. God is calling us to open our eyes, to see where the need is in the world around us, and to share this gift of presence, of attention with others. In Aramaic, the word Bethesda literally means house of mercy. And in Hebrew, the version of that word is Beit Chesed, and that means house of kindness. What would it mean for St. Columbus to become a house of kindness for this city around us? And what would it mean for Washington to become a house of mercy for the whole world? A place where we're always working together to make the world a better place for all of its inhabitants. This is the work that I believe St. Columbus is called to do. And yes, I believe this is even the work that Washington is being called to do for the world around us. Now is the time. The water is stirring. The angel is here. Jesus needs us to jump in and get our feet wet. The last line of that play, Angels in America, the great work begins. Amen.